That's Jeff. Oh, good morning, church. My name is Michael. If you haven't met before, I'm uh, one of the pastors here, as Maureen said. Uh, really good to be here today to open up God's Word with you. I'm just going to start by praying for us, uh, and then we'll get into it. Um, let me pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. Thank you we can come here together, together as your people, as your church this morning. Please help us now to focus on your Word, and please help us to understand it better. In your son's name we pray. Amen. When I turned 16, um, I was quite excited to get my L's. Uh, I got, uh, my mum bought me the uh, road users handbook from the, what was called the LTA back then, and I studied harder than I was for school. I read through it, and I got my L's in my first go. I got it so easily. Now, my first driving lesson was so scary. I, I played a lot of video games growing up, and you know, in the video game, driving is pretty easy, right? You can go really fast, and turning the car was easy, but in real life, driving was not so easy. My first lesson, I was driving in a quiet street in Oakley, and when you turn the car, the car actually turned, but, but afterwards, the, wheel, the steering doesn't go back straight automatically, right, unless you, like, so anyway, I was like a tough discovery for me, and it was scary. Anyway, I picked up driving quite quickly, and, and when I got my peers, it took me three goals to get my peers, because the first two times, I failed because I couldn't park the car. Because when you do your driving test, if the wheel hit the curb, there's an instant fail item. So I hit the curb the first go. Second time, they say when you try to park the car, you can't turn the steering wheel more than five, six times. And I just lost track of where my wheel was. So I failed the second time. Third time, I got it. I got it right the third time. Even during school zone hours, I got it the third time. Anyway, after I got my P's, I was a very courageous driver. I was a very brave and courageous driver. I sped quite a lot when I started driving, overtaking others when it wasn't safe. It was only by God's grace that I didn't get into an accident. But I did get quite a few of those speeding tickets. I got quite a few speeding tickets. Now, a few years ago, the New South Wales government brought in an incentive for drivers with good behavior. What let me say is, if you manage to get uh, without a speeding ticket for the last five years, then when you renew your license, you can get 50% off. I remember saying to a friend of mine that that will never ever happen to me. I would never be eligible for that. Now, thankfully, since then, um, you guys can be rest assured, since then, um, my driving has matured a lot. So if you see me on, this, on, the, on the road, don't worry. I've got it better since then. I now drive much more responsibly and defensively. And the good news is, it has been six years since I got my last speeding ticket. And my license renewal is due in June 2021. Now, two years can be a long time, but <laughs> this is actually within my reach to get a 10 years license with 50% off. I also realize speeding tickets are quite expensive to pay. Anyway, today, so I want to tell you that my driving has matured a lot. And in our next installment of Colossians, we'll see how Paul too urges the Christian is Colossae to grow and to mature in their faith. Now, remember, when Paul wrote this letter, he was already in prison in Rome. Despite that, though, despite being in prison in Rome, and a Roman prison would not be a very good place to be. Despite that, his concern wasn't himself, but Jesus and his followers even those he has never met personally. Paul, in prison, he wasn't despaired. 
Paul didn't give up on his faith. It was quite the opposite. Paul rejoiced despite he was suffering. Now, verse 24 of Colossians chapter 1 is probably one of the more difficult to understand verses in the Bible. It says this, Now I rejoice in what I am suffering for you, and I feel in my flesh what is still lacking regard to Christ's afflictions, for the sake of his body, which is the church. Now, there are different meanings, uh, possible meanings of this verse, uh, but before I tell you what I think, let me tell you what this isn't about. Now, remember last week, Stuart spoke to us from Colossians 1, 15 to 23, that Jesus, is a beautiful passage, that Jesus has supremacy over all things. Jesus has the fullness of God joining him, and Jesus, everything is created in him and through him. It was very clear that Jesus is over all things. And it was very clear to us that Jesus, then, can't be lacking in anything. And we said earlier, it is finished. That Jesus, when he died on the cross, he has reconciled us all things to God. Through, by believing in him, our, all our sins are forgiven. And so we can be with God forever. Nothing is lacking at all. Now, suffering on this side of heaven, sadly, is a part of living in the fallen world. Illness, both physical and mental, death, sadness, injustice, cruelty, accidents, selfishness, betrayal, they're all a part of living in this fallen and imperfect world. Even our Lord Jesus suffered immensely when he was on earth. He died willingly for us, but he was totally innocent. And in Romans, which Paul also writes, he makes it very clear that the church and therefore its people will experience and will endure suffering until Christ returns. In Romans 8, verse 17, he says this, Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we might also share in his glory. As Christians, Paul said that we can endure suffering because we have a certain hope. We can endure suffering because we have this certain hope. Our earth, our world here, as beautiful as it is, is only our temporary home. One day, we'll all be in glory with God in heaven, and that will be for eternity. Our time here on earth will be a short time in comparison to eternity in heaven. Our suffering will bring us eternal life in heaven, which is the reason why Paul rejoiced and why we can rejoice in the midst of suffering. The word here in verse 24, the word lacking, is a puzzling one. One explanation is that Paul's suffering is the application of his work. Jesus called him in Acts chapter 9 to be the apostle to the Gentiles. He was commissioned by Jesus himself to be the Gentile, apostle to the Gentiles. Now, the Bible talks about Jews and Gentiles. Um, if you're not a Jew, then you're Gentiles, which is the majority of us here today. Um, so Jesus said this to Ananias in Acts chapter 9. He said, this man, which is Paul, is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings, and to the people of Israel, I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. 
One explanation is that Paul will suffer until all Gentiles have come to Christ. That is, every single one of them. Now, I don't think this explanation is convincing because the Bible also tells us that there will be people who reject Christ. There will be people that will just reject him. People in the past, people in the present, people in the future. So the more likely meaning is to consider what Paul did, what his job was, before he became a Christian. Before he became a Christian, Paul was a Pharisee. He was a Jewish leader who devoted all his life in persecuting Christians. He would lock them up and kill them, like he did to Stephen in Acts chapter 7. And much to his horror, Paul discovered that he had been persecuting not a handful of troublesome extremists, but he was persecuting Jesus, the one who has supremacy over all things. Paul also discovered that his chief privilege as Christ's chosen instrument is to suffer for his sake. He had to suffer by doing Christ's work. Paul discovered the real meaning of his suffering. That is, he is to share Jesus' suffering, which leads him to the richest union with Christ himself. As it says on Romans chapter 8, verse 17. Now, Paul had never met the Christians personally in the church, of Colos- um, the church in Colossae. But as the pastor to the Gentiles, his concern for them, as you can see, is genuine and is real. He had one mission, verse 25. I have become a servant by the commission God gave me to present to you the word of God in its fullness. Paul's mission was to present the word of God in its fullness to the church in Colossae and to the church in Laodicea. And Paul then goes on to expand on what he means. Verse 26, the mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. Paul's message is the mystery here. When we think of the word mystery, in my head, the image of cloud, smoke, something abstract, something weird come up in my head, something mystical about it that no one could understand. Now, is the Bible and is the message of new life a mystery like that? Absolutely not. This mystery has in fact been made known to all of God's people, not just to the Jews. Verse 27, it says this, To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. The mystery here is new life in Jesus. We have the complete Bible with us today, both the Old and the New Testament, all 66 books. But it was a mystery to the Jews in the Old Testament. Last term, uh, we did our preaching program on the Old Testament, looking at the various parts of the Old Testament um, story and people. We talk about Abraham. It was a mystery to Abraham. When God called Abraham in the middle of the night, telling him that God will make Abraham and his family into a great nation out of him, and his family will be a blessing to the whole world. Abraham was an old man by then. He was married with no kid. That was a mystery to him. 
be further on, God promised King David that one of his sons would always be king. That was a mystery to him. Then gospel to Isaiah, telling him that he would send his, his suffering servant to the world. That was a mystery to Isaiah. God's plan of salvation was only partially revealed to the Jews. They knew that in the future, God would send his Messiah, the Prince of Peace, to save them, but didn't know who that was. Many years later, Jesus came. Against the expectation, they thought that God would send a mighty warrior to free them from the Romans. But instead, Jesus came, and Jesus achieved something far, far greater. He brought in God's kingdom. Gentiles are now included in God's plan of salvation. That means everybody is now included in God's plan of salvation. This mystery or the message of new life is the good news of salvation has now made known to both Jews and Gentiles. Jesus, his death on the cross, has redeemed our sin. We now have new life in him. Christ is now living in us. Our church mission is see on both banners. It's about giving the message of new life and living the, living the message of new life for Jesus. It calls us to give the message of new life. You can see on that side of the banner, on my right, on your left, it calls us to connect, care, communicate, and commit. Our mission calls on us to reveal and to proclaim the message of new life. And our vision, as you know, is we long to see the message of new life in Jesus come to every home in Oran Park and the growing Southwest for their salvation, the good of the community, and the glory of God. How are you going in giving the message of new life? How are you going in connect, care, communicate, and commit? Are you praying that God will give you the opportunity to do that? Have you gone with those 316441 card? And above the card, you can pray, you can write down the name of a family member, a friend, next to a neighbor, and someone you get to meet. Write your name down there and pray for them. Pray that God will give you the opportunity to give the message of new life to them. You get a proper discount at the back of the welcome table at the end of the service. Please do that. That's our mission. We want to give the message of new life. I have confidence in doing that because we have a great helper on our side. We have Jesus in us. If God is for us, then who can be against us? We are a gathering of people here today. We come together to meet every Sunday. Now think about this. Compared to other groups meeting in Oran Park, what set us apart as a church? What do you guys think? How are we different to other groups that is meeting every week here in Oran Park? Anyone that answered the question? That's one thing set us apart compared to sporting club and other social club. Jesus, that's right. The gospel. We have Jesus, we have the gospel with us. That was set us apart as a church. And Paul has a message for us here today for New Life Anglican Church in Oran Park. Verse 28. He said, He who Jesus is the one we proclaim admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom 
so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Question is, is Jesus the center of everything we do? Every time we get to hear a church, we must put Jesus and the gospel as the center in everything we do. We need three things we need to do. We need to proclaim. We need to give the message of new life. In our various ministry, here we do as church, New Life Kids, New Life Youth, Playtime, Mobs, J Crew, Life Groups, Jesus for the Curious, SRE, Chapel, our pastoral care team, our senior group that meet in the village. Everything we do are all centered in Jesus and his word. Admonishing, the Bible is our guide in life. It's like the street directory or GPS in our life. It tells us how to live God's way and it sets us apart from the world. I love our church. We're all very different, yet we gather here together around God's word today. We need to encourage one another in the walk of Jesus. On the left hand, right, my left, your right hand side, we've got new new life with Jesus, our different value of faithful, adventurous, compassionate, and enduring. In our enduring value, we've got this question. The question is, are you attending a life group regularly? Where are you weak and in danger of falling? Who knows you well enough to ask this question? In the same way, who are you strengthening to run the race to the end? We need to endure as a Christian. Thirdly, teaching everyone, we need to constantly seek new ways to give the message of new life. Our part of the world in the southwest Sydney is constantly changing, as we know. Five, the Oran Park of five years ago 2014 was very different to the Oran Park today. And again, it will be very different five years on in 2024. People that are going to move in, most of them will know nothing about Jesus. Our vision and mission is to bring the message of new life to them. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 9, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the law of the harvest, therefore, to send our workers in the harvest field. Our mission field is big. The message of new lives is for everyone, for Jews, for Gentiles, male and female, young and old, and it's across culture. Everyone can know Jesus, and everyone can fully mature in Christ. Becoming a Christian is only the first step. It's followed by a lifelong journey of walking with Jesus, growing in our faith, until reaching full maturity, that is when we receive God's glory in heaven. Helping the believers grow in maturity is Paul's goal in ministry, verse 29. To this end, I strenuously contend with all the energy Christ so powerfully works in me. Two things that this verse shows us. One is that Paul works strenuously. He works very, very hard to see the Colossian church to grow in maturity. Another one is how God used Paul to help the believers to give and to live the message of new life so that they too will grow in maturity. Uh, our God is sovereign. He is always in control. And God uses his people like Paul and us to grow his kingdom. Ministry isn't easy. Satan is always seeking to, to destroy God's work. And Paul had to work very strenuously, often in agony, to do God's work. 
This is the same prayer and the same goal as the staff team, Stuart, myself, Jeff, Lauren, Tim, and Amy, that we have for you. Our prayer is that you will continue to grow to love Jesus and mature in your faith. Our prayer is that we can work, we'll work together to bring the message of new life to Oran Park and the growing Southwest. Look at Paul, look at his passion and the concern he showed to the Christians in Colossae and Laodicea, to the Christian that he has a map personally. In chapter 2, verse 1, he says this, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those in Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. Paul is pouring out everything, everything he had for them so that they will grow in their faith. In verse 2, he's now addressing to the individual Christian. He says this, My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of Christ, namely, mystery of God, namely Christ. Three things here. Firstly, God wants them to be encouraged in their hearts. Individually, be encouraged by God's word and his people. Secondly, to be united in love. Unity is important. Our church, I say, is an amazing place. Have a look around you. Have little people around you. We're all very different, yet we come together, we gather together around God's word each week. We're united by Christ in love, so love one another. Thirdly, we have to have complete understanding. The gospel, Jesus, is what set us apart from just being another community group. This is very important because if Christ isn't the center of everything we do, we're not a church anymore. And very sadly, it has already happened to lots of churches, even those who are close to us. And so we must not lose the mystery of God, namely Christ, in our church. Jesus is the treasure of all wisdom and knowledge. Satan will constantly seek to attack the people of God. He is cunning. He will just twist the truth ever slightly and makes it appealing to our world. Even Christians can be deceived. A false gospel is no gospel at all. Remember, a false gospel is no gospel at all. In verse 4, Paul issued a warning to the church and to us today. I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. Come back next week uh, to find out more what the problem is. But for now, know this. None of us, none of us here is immune from Satan's deception. And two things we need to do to defend ourselves in this spiritual battle from, attack, from the attack from Satan. Verse 5, Paul said this, For though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit, and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. We need to be disciplined. We need to hold firm in our faith. We need to relentlessly read God's word so that we are grounded in the truth. And we need to relentlessly pray for God's protection. Reading God's word and praying 
There are two things we need to do regularly to build ourselves up and to mature in Christ. In our first reading today from Hebrews chapter 12, one of my favorite passages in the Bible, it gives us the encouragement we need in our walk with Christ. I'm constantly reminded by that passage that the Christian life is a lifelong race. It's like running a marathon. We need to make sure we are an enduring Christian. Let me read this to you. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him had endured the cross, scorning his shame, and sat down the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endures such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. So that we will not grow weary and lose heart. Suffering is a part of living this fallen world. But when we suffer, we are sharing in Christ's suffering. The good news is there's no suffering in heaven, no more pain, no more crying, no more sadness, and no more death. If you're sitting here today and you're already following Jesus, can I encourage you to keep maturing your faith, to live in a new life for Jesus, to be a faithful, adventurous, compassionate, and endured Christian? Are you in a life group? If you're not in one currently, write down your Can Connect card and Jeff will get you into a life group. And where are you weak and where are you in danger of falling? How can you be encouraged and be an encourager to others? We're all in this together. Encourage one another, support one another, so that we will all win and get the prize that is eternal life on the last day. If you're sitting here today, you're not yet a Christian, come and discover this mystery. Stuart runs a Jesus for the Curious course each term. Write it down on the Kekone Kachu. We'd love to invite you along and discover Jesus for yourselves we'll, so that you can discover this mystery, so that you can find a message in your life. But as a church, let's grow together in Christ. Let's pursue together and let's support one another. Let me pray. Dear love, Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus and we thank you for new life in him. Please help us as a church to continue to grow in maturity. Help us to give and to live the message of new life. And for those of us here who do not yet follow you, please help them to discover the mystery of Christ. In your son's name we pray. Amen.